Hello there and welcome to the Make It In Design podcast. I'm Beth Kempton and along with designer Rachel Taylor, I co-founded the online design school makeitindesign.com. We help creatives from across the globe to thrive in the design industry. We've created this podcast to bring you interviews with designers who have made bold moves and followed their hearts in order to thrive. We hope it inspires you to follow your own dreams, grow a sustainable design business and do what you love. Inside these rich and juicy conversations, you'll hear all about the life lessons our friends have learned as they've grown their businesses. They share their highs and lows, wins and challenges and top tips for success. Be sure to subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode. Then get yourself a lovely cuppa and settle in for an inspiring chat. While you're putting the kettle on, let me take a moment to tell you about our brand new course starting on May the 9th. The Master Series is a live, interactive learning experience featuring 10 artists, designers and industry insiders who are going to help you take your design business to the next level. A host of technical masterclasses and brilliant assignments will help you expand your view of what is possible, give you practical advice on branding, inspire new income streams and give your design business a huge boost this year. Places are limited, so don't miss out. Go and sign up at makeitindesign.com right now if you feel like this is something that might help your business this year. Get ready to be inspired. And so... To today's conversation. Hi there everyone, I'm Vic from Make It In Design and I'm really excited for today's conversation with Terry Runyon. Terry is a visual artist, illustrator, creative encourager and cat lover living in Kansas City with her adorable cats Riley and Tucker who I've just met and she also credits these for being huge inspiration to her work. After working as an in-house illustrator for 30 years at Hallmark, Terry took the leap back in October 2016 to explore her own art and creative processes. With an Instagram following of over 340,000, Terry also creates video tutorials and lessons on watercolour, mixed media and collage. Seeing creativity as a means to connect, communicate and share with others Terry loves to encourage people to explore their creativity for the pure joy of it. Most recently, Terry has released a new book, Painting Happiness, Creativity with Watercolours. I cannot wait to ask Terry more about her creative, incredible journey so far. A huge welcome to the podcast, Terry, and I'm really thrilled to have you as our guest today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's, it's a wonderful uh, opportunity to talk about creativity and art and yeah. And to talk with you, Vic. I could talk to you for all day, so <laughs> I won't do it. I won't keep you. Um, but Terry, so you're an undeniably creative soul, but I just wanted to ask you, where did it all begin? As a child, did you enjoy art? And how did that become a career route for you? Well, it's been a it's been an interesting journey. You know, as a child, like most all children, I, I love to draw and and play with art and you know enjoyed animals, of course, too. So they've always been an influence on me. Um, I, I need to tell you, though, I, I was uh, very much early on thinking that what I was doing had to look just like what I was seeing. And as a, as a young person, I wasn't that 
good at that. I might've been a little bit better at it than some people. So I got a sense of some sort of approval around that, but I had a early onset of perfectionism that hit me. And because of that, my, my art throughout my younger years was very tumultuous. You know, um, I would do artwork, but I, I had that kind of background noise of this has to be better or why can't I do it right? And, and that actually stopped me later uh, in my teens and early 20s. I was kind of lost. I thought I was going to go into business. I, I wasn't even looking at doing art. So yeah, it was it was a fun time early on, but you know later it became sort of um, not as fun because of that that crazy voice that I had going off in my head. And I know that most artists that I know anyway, um, they have some some of that, if not a lot of that. And I love to connect with people around this because I've come across different ways to see this and be able to navigate it so that it doesn't stop me anymore. Yeah, great. And it, you know, it's interesting, I've spoke to a, a few people recently, creatives, and you know, they've said like yourself, we all start as kids really loving art and enjoying it. But I think sometimes like outside influences tell us that it's not a viable career, don't they? Was that the case for you or were you quite encouraged with it? Well, I, I uh had a mother that was an artist and she gave up that pretty early when she got married and had children, but I never, she was, she was always very encouraging, but my dad didn't really get it. So it wasn't that he was discouraging, but I think they were hoping I would go into something that might be something that was a little bit more financially secure. So uh, I didn't even know there was a career in illustration. I knew there was a fine art way of going and couldn't really see myself going that direction, particularly with how crazy it was when I was younger. Um, yeah, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of people lining up to say, hey, you really need to pursue this. This could be a lifelong career for you. Yeah, And I think that is very common. I think it's less common now. I think there's more encouragement for the arts. There is, yeah. It, but I think like you, you say, it's still quite, it's still happening, isn't it? Even now when people ask myself, what do you do for a career? And then I explain about making design and what we do and people don't understand that everything around us is designed and that there's some right behind that um, that's true you just don't yeah. make the connection I don't think <laughs> and you know how how naive I was I mean I was looking at all kinds of different things that had illustration on it but it never occurred to me that that might be something I pursue yeah. and it, it never came up anytime in my life until I was over 20 that I started hearing about this career in illustration. I'm glad I found out about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so what happened next for you? Because, I mean, you you obviously spent 30 years working in-house at the amazing Hallmark in Kansas. Did you, was it quite early that you ended up there or was there lots of steps in between before you made it to there? Well, I didn't go back to college get my illustration design degree until I was 25. I did a lot of floundering around working at pizza shops and you know different things like that, taco places. Mm -hmm. And I did take a couple drawing classes in junior college. Uh, and that helped me once I did discover that I could possibly go to school for illustration um, to put a portfolio together and get accepted at San Jose State. And luckily one of the teachers 
that taught at San Jose States. Uh, I think her her uh, brother or cousin it was employed in the recruiting department at Hallmark. So every year Hallmark would come to our school, San Jose State, and interview. And I was a, a complete overachiever in school, and you know had a very strong portfolio. And they hired me pretty much out of school mm. to work there. I started as a redesign artist where I was painting on other people's art, you know, changing birthdays to Christmas. And, you know, that was a huge new class for me where I was actually working on other people's artwork and learning their styles. So Hallmark has always been or was always just an amazing place to learn and grow and hang out with a lot of really cool, creative people. Yeah. And I mean, I was just saying to you, Terry, that I was fortunate to work in the UK branch of Hallmark um, before joining the team here. And I always likened it to art college. It was that kind of environment for me. You know, you walked down the studio and you chatted to people what they were working on and you shared skills. We did workshops. And um, so I can imagine that in your course of being at Hallmark, you just learned so much. It was amazing. They had a creative workshop there that I did, like I showed you earlier, I have this rug hooking I've done. I've done ceramics, glass blowing, metal work. Um, what else do we do? Uh, bound object. I mean, there, fabrics. This was all like extra credit type stuff that you just, they gave these classes to us to sort of round out our creative yeah. skills. And, and all of that really influenced me and in how I, I work today. And, and when I worked at Hallmark. Yeah. And and just as well, like just thinking back, because I visited Kansas as well, which I told you. And one of my main purposes was to visit the archive at Hallmark, which was amazing. It's um, incredible. All that inspiration there and yeah, at your fingertips. And it was a, they pulled out the white gloves and they put them on. It was amazing. <laughs> right. Well, 120 years now of artwork. Yeah. yeah. They've gotten that incredible. archived. Um, so Terry, after 30 years of working in this brilliant place at Hallmark, you decided to take a big step in going it alone um, and explore your own creative practice. How did you know the time was right for this? And what was the transition like from being in a studio space with working briefs to, to setting your own? Well, it was an interesting journey. I I never felt like I wanted to retire and go elsewhere because I I really didn't have a sense of where that would be. And I did know that I didn't want to leave Hallmark because I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to transition because I really was excited about something new Mm -hmm. because I didn't, I mean, I couldn't leave Hallmark for not wanting to be there because I just really loved my job and the people and everything. But um, as I went along uh, getting towards this point where I decided to retire, I got a keen interest in non-objective artwork and working larger and just playing with paint and, and basically making a mess. So I, I knew it was time. I, I took a few classes before I decided to retire. And then I just decided to take the plunge. And for the first year after I retired, I did these larger scale non-objective paintings and really enjoyed finding out how to work big, you know, with a greeting cards, you're working very small, eight, eight by five by eight or whatever it is really small and I also had been doing primarily computer art uh, working with Photoshop and that type program for most of my last 15 years at Hallmark 
So I, it's not that, you know, we had painting workshops and, you know, it was amazing opportunities to paint and do collage and everything else. But I primarily, most of my time was spent on the computer. So when I left, I really wanted to break free of that somewhat and, and just see how paint felt again. And really, I mean, I had never used acrylic extensively and collage and acrylic and large brushes and all that stuff. So I did that for a year. And then after that year, I, I thought I needed to earn money again. I had this in my head. I've got to go earn money. So I went back to illustration. So glad I did. I still love illustration. And I did go back to Hallmark for a short amount of time just as a freelancer and then decided to just really work on my own, my own business with, with the art. So I, I license now and books and sell my work and all kinds of different stuff. It sounds like a really freeing experience, though, like the, that year that you spoke about working big scale with the paintings and just creating for the pure joy of it. Um, right. You must have, did yeah, you and that, a visible difference afterwards, like in yourself? It, it really freed me up and I got a sense of really loving art. I, I, I mean, I towards the end of my career, I was really enjoying the process of creating more and more. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of my stuff on, on, on my own time and creating I was posting every day to Instagram and Facebook and my own work that I was doing in my own time and that really developed a pattern of of creating daily and exploring and uh, you know showing up to do the work is where creativity joins you so it really helped me to expand uh, what I love and that coupled with learning more about who I am and what my art is and, and what it means about me and what it doesn't mean about me has really made art just a whole lot more fun for me. I don't base my worth on whatever I'm doing now like I used to. And that perfectionism still comes up, but I know what it is and I'm able to just see it for what it is and move on with what I'm creating. Yeah, amazing. And I know this is a podcast, but you are joining me today from your gorgeous workspace. And I just wanted to ask you, can you tell us about your studio space and how important is it for you to have that space? And is it the only place that you create? Well, actually, this is my dining room in my house. There's not actually a designated studio space, but I converted this, took it over. Uh, The table that we use for the dining is now my work table. And uh, I covered the floor with vinyl and, you know, went for it. Luckily, we don't do a lot of entertaining here or, or uh, cooking for others, so we don't need the dining room table for that. Um, this space has been incredibly important for me. Uh, it's been a place where I could uh, close myself off from the cats during this large-scale painting time. I, I really needed to not have quite as much hair in my paint. Uh, now I just have it wide open, and I'm working mostly on watercolor, cut paper, and some digital. <clears throat> but I don't have as much concern over getting cat hair in things. I, I, I find it amusing and uh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't have it, have it any other way. Both my cats sit right next to me in my studio and often at least Tucker, the boy kitty, uh, he likes to help me with my painting. Oh, wonderful. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> He's a natural artist. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
is there is there such a typical day for you and is it a priority for you to have that daily creative practice how do you feel if you don't create one day well I I did want to say too of late I've been going out in urban sketching as well so this Mm -hmm. isn't my only place for creativity these days I in the last six months or so been getting out to coffee shops and that sort of thing drawing and you know out drawing houses and architecture and crazy stuff I've never drawn in my life because I didn't think I was good at it. But so there's that. And as far as the creativity goes, it's something that really is how I connect in with what I know is in all of us, which is creativity. And I just think even if I'm not feeling inspired, I show up to create because I know that creativity is there, even if my head is dancing around and I don't want to do this, I'm blocked, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in create a block. I believe we have a lot of thoughts about create a block and those thoughts about create a block really make us feel blocked because we're experiencing our thoughts and our feelings and emotions. And the more that I understood that, the more I realized that this is not create a block. This is me thinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And I can go ahead and keep and keep playing, even if it's scribbling and creativity is there with me. It, it can't not be right. It's just who we are. Yeah. So showing up every day or most every day to do something creative, to let that conversation happen between creativity and myself has been critical to my joy of life. And I, I highly recommend it. To anyone, even if they don't think they have a creative bone in their body, it, that's just something we've learned and it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and to me, it feels like when you speak about it, it feels like this energy that you've got and you just need to get it out, don't you, in whatever way. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's not something that I necessarily always feel, particularly before I start. Sometimes it's like, well, I kind of, have this commitment to myself, I guess, that I'm going to show up every day and and create. And even though I don't necessarily feel like it or don't know what I'm going to do, I'm going to go anyway. And the energy joins me there. It's not like it brought me there. Oftentimes I'm, you know, it's it's not just a flow of creativity that's always happening and it's always coming out of me. And it's more a, oh, I'm setting the side of aside this time to see what will happen yeah. because it, it, 80, 90% of the time, it's a mystery to me what's going to happen. <laughs> and I love that mystery. It used to scare me. And I used to think it meant I was blocked because I didn't have any control over it or I didn't know what was going to happen. And now I look at that as like, oh, how great. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's see. It's more of a curiosity and a openness to, to just explore. Yeah, that's the exciting part, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's quite it's reassuring to hear that from you as well, Terry. <laughs> um, I know some people think that it just flows. I mean, I'm always on it. You know, I'm always, you know, feeling inspired and always creating from this place of just energy. And that's just, it might be true for some people, but not any artist I know. I think all artists have times where they just feel like they're you know, they don't have what it takes to move forward in that day or moment or whatever. And all the people that I hang out with that have that feeling, once we start playing, it's, they, it just, they just get into the rhythm. They know it's going to show up and they trust that process. Yeah. Yeah. It's just part of it. Yeah. 
yeah I was I was actually going to ask you if you had a favorite medium but do you think that ties into it as well so if you start you know you mentioned acrylic paints or watercolors do you think that feeds into it as well um I I really love watercolor that's one of my number one media mediums and it's because there's a certain amount of spontaneity and unpredictability to it yeah. I worked in acrylic when I was in college and actually dabbled in a little bit of oil, but it was very controlled. It was very realistic, rep representational. And not until I got to Hallmark where they offered all kinds of fun classes in watercolor, did I start playing with that medium. So it was, it was crazy. I mean, it was, I mean, it just goes everywhere. Right. Um, and then you have to preserve your whites and work up to your darks and all this stuff like opposite of acrylic. But I love that, that splashing around of paint. I love to load my brush and, and see what's going to happen, to see how uh, colors blend together. I learned from some masters in watercolor, and, and they know, know enough about it that there's still accidents happening, but they sort of know what kind of accidents are going to happen. <laughs> but that was really the only difference. Um, and, and I don't know what's going to happen a lot of the time, and I love that part of it. Yeah. So right now I'm actually doing some fountain pen work uh, with permanent ink. And that's what I'm doing when I'm urban sketching and coming back in with watercolor. So that's been fun as well. Yeah, great. And so that, that moves us nicely then onto your book. So Painting Happiness. Um, yes. So how did this opportunity come about and how have you found the writing and the creative process? Well, I of course had my perfectionist inner critic coming up around, what in the heck, I am not a writer. I can't possibly write a book. I mean, I felt like you're talking to the wrong person. And luckily Leaping Hair Press found me and got a hold of me, a woman named Monica, a wonderful woman and we had conversations and she was very supportive and, you know, had me kind of think about it. And it wasn't lost on me that here I am writing a book about, you know, sort of mindfulness and painting and all this stuff when I'm having all this craziness come up around my ability as an artist, yeah. as well as a writer. That really was just nuts. But I went ahead and jumped in and it was an amazing process. It wasn't super easy, but just like artwork, what I noticed was is that writing came relatively, I don't know if I'd say easy, but it it flowed as I sat down and started doing it like the artwork does. And I know there was still a lot of editing that was involved, but it was a, a creative process just like the painting to me. It was a mystery that I was just playing with and, and exploring and seeing what would come forth. So, yeah, I, 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 loved, I loved working with Leaping Hair Press. It was fantastic and they were very helpful and supportive. So yeah, highly recommend if you're thinking about or having anything in there in yourself that you wanna share, writing and artwork are a wonderful way to do that. Wonderful, yeah. And you know what I loved about the book as well, that it's not, it's not just instructional about watercolor and painting. It's got these wonderful sections in it that, it's like you know what we're thinking because you've just said with the process that you've gone through. So I 
the section that I really connected with was when you said about, you know, when you're feeling uninspired or that hate it moment. Um, yes. You, could you explain a little bit more about that for us? Well, I, I kind of coined this term called the hate it phase because what I noticed is I became more present with the process of creativity and stopped letting my habitual conditioned thinking take over the inner critic and the perfectionist. I would still go through these phases in every single piece of work that I do pretty much where I just would hate what I was doing. I would, it would be in this kind of middle ground or before it started to feel finished where I would just think, oh, I got to scrap this and start over. And it was like clockwork. So I called, I coined that the, the, the hate it phase because it just helped me to have more of a sense of humor about it. it it's something that shows up pretty much all the time when I'm working. And now that I know what it is, oh, that's the hate it phase. I can just sort of name it and keep playing. And a lot of the time when I'm doing artwork, the thing I think is the worst is the thing that ends up turning out the most fun. You know, I, I get the, the most comments on or likes on or not that that's why I'm doing it, but it's just curious to me that 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 thinking that tells you you're going wrong is really not true. You know, I kind of call the inner critic a liar when I want to be really mean, but most of the time it's just sort of a neutral. I, I see that I know what that is. And then I jump back into the art, art creating. Yeah. And, and just circling back, I know you said that creative block is not something that you believe in and that we're constantly creating. Um, and I just wondered if you could give us a few insider tips as such to get things moving again, if we feel like we've got to that creative block. Well, I, I'm a great uh, proponent of scribbling. If, if that's all that you can do for the day, taking five minutes just to move your hand around, you know, getting that, that movement, that energy going is, is the invitation to start something or you know draw anything i think that there's a big pressure with most artists to have to do a masterpiece every time they approach a piece of paper or a canvas and once i understood that this about this is about the communication or connection between myself and creativity uh, and it's not about the end product and even if the end product is something that I choose to share or or even offer on my website. It wasn't about that while creating it. And the end product doesn't have anything to do with who you are. It's something you're doing and being able to separate out uh, that actual creative act from your identity. It was a very huge shift for me. Uh, it lightened everything up. I realized, oh, I'm okay. You know, I'm okay no matter what comes out of this brush. Yeah. That really freed me up to be able to explore and play and enjoy the mystery and, you know, just embrace whatever happens. Yeah. Even if it's, a, you know, just scribbling and, you know, what someone else might think of is just a blob of mess. It's like you say, it's taking that pressure off ourselves, isn't it? We put all this pressure on and like a lot of us are creating with an end product in, 
for the goal. And I think it's taking that out of the equation, isn't it? And like you just said then, accepting that if that process of creating is just to free you up or get you moving again, then that's equally as fine as creating a final design. It's equally right. important, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I just think that knowing that, at least for me, knowing that I'm, I'm okay. Like I, I, I'm starting from a place of being full. I'm, there's nothing I have to do to prove myself that, you know, that that's all off the table. Then when I go into it, uh, you know, things don't always go according to plan. Actually, most of the time they don't go according to plan, but sometimes they go not according to plan in a direction that maybe something I decide not to share because it's just crazy, whatever. I mean, it's just a, me throwing paint around and it doesn't really have any representation of anything in it. Uh, that becomes part of the process. It's, it's not, it doesn't mean anything. It used to stop me in my tracks when I couldn't do what I thought I wanted to do. Yeah. When things didn't go according to my plan. I really use it against myself, uh, not knowing that's what I was doing. I just thought that whatever you were doing had something to do with your work. I mean, that's the way I sort of learned how to think as when I was growing up. And I think that's pretty common in our culture is to base your worth on, you know, how much money you have, how many likes you have, how many followers you have, how much you sell, how much you, how popular you are, how attractive you are, you know, all of it. Yeah. So, you know, finding out and knowing that my worth has nothing to do with any of that really has been just the most profound change in my life. Yeah. And I love sharing around that with others because I, I know that most of us or a lot of us get caught up in that that judging and yeah comparing way of thinking yeah it's a game changer for people isn't it to come to that realization yeah and you mentioned you've mentioned a couple of times um like sharing things on social media and likes I was going to ask you how how does that come into play for you as an artist how do you use that as a tool we you know, when I was at Hallmark, I started Instagram, started with Instagram and probably in 2015. And I, I avoided Instagram. I, I was on, uh, I think I was on Flickr and maybe some, maybe Facebook. But, you know, friends kept encouraging me to start sharing on Instagram. So I started off with a cat and, you know, <laughs> cats of Instagram is my only hashtag. And, and I was learning what hashtags were and everything else. And that was something I just kept at I was posting every pretty much every day after I got into it and you know my overachiever kind of kicked in and I was very adamant about connecting with as many people as possible and and you know posting a lot after a while I let go of that need and I still post every day mostly but I'm not caught up in hours and hours and hours on Instagram anymore. I go in and I connect with my audience, mm-hmm. do my post and get out. And that's been a really great way for me to not get lost. And I, I really enjoy connecting with people on Instagram. Instagram has been my number one opportunity in business as far as getting eyeballs on work and, you know, having you find me and uh the, and the leaping hair press people that's you know so 
I do think it's a really great platform for visual artists to do what they can to connect and share on there. Yeah. But then, you know, ultimately the most important thing is to keep showing up for that artwork. Yeah. Well, you're obviously doing something right with social media because you've got, what, 340 something thousand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's shocking. I, I it did bad. what I I did what I could at the beginning by hashtagging and, yeah. you know, staying connected on the platform and active. Um, and it kind of took on a life of its own. I feel really grateful that I've been able to connect with so many people on Instagram. I didn't, there wasn't so much of an intention involved, which I know, you know, I did start uh, six months before the algorithms took in, you know, started. So I did have the audience there building was a little easier at that time. Uh, And then when it did take over, that was an interesting time. And um, then I just, noticed my account kept growing which was motivating and I do think it's just I I highly recommend it Uh, I do recommend people take it with a grain of salt because it's a really fickled platform like any other social media platform and I think it's harder than ever to get noticed on there because there's just so many people I know there's a lot of new places to go these days but I haven't really explored them myself And it, um, like you said, yeah. it, it can zap your time and energy. So it's it's being clear, isn't it, that that's not what you're all about is Instagram. The other yeah, the I think is important. I, I think it's really important to mention that I used to spend a tremendous amount of time on not only social media, researching and seeing other people's art, but on Pinterest and different platforms where there's a lot of visuals. And I think that's a really good thing for an artist to do in the process of learning what they like and what attracts them um, as they're developing their own sense of who they are as an artist, as they're learning to paint more, draw more, whatever it is that attracts you. But it is also a black hole. And I fell down that black hole tremendously uh, for a lot of my career where I would start researching and I'd be researching for first hours, days, sometimes weeks without doing any artwork. And I have a much healthier relationship with that now where I go in and I'll look at a few things. This is particularly on Pinterest. And I really pay attention to that sense of inspiration or quickening. Uh, And instead of continuing to research which is what I used to do oh there's got to be even a better idea somewhere you know and you just keep researching I would I jump in at the moment when I'm feeling inspired or when I'm feeling anything where I'm like that's interesting or wow I would like to try that any of that kind of sense that's when I I stop the researching and I start playing Mm. so I highly recommend that with researching particularly once you've sort of established a sense of your aesthetic to to not spend that kind of time on there because it is it does give the sense that you're actually doing something like you're accomplishing something by doing all this research and in some sense you sort of are at the beginning you know you're just getting to see what's out there and and getting a feel for what you like but that quickly uh, turns into kind of an avoidance technique that you may not be doing consciously but it it takes hours and hours days weeks of your time and the other thing about it is the more you consume like that and don't put something out it's like breathing in and not breathing out 
it's exhausting. Yeah. And I oftentimes would not create after I've done that because I've, I'm just tired. Yeah. Like I've spent so much time with this visual craziness that uh, I don't have the energy to, Yeah. at least at that point, didn't think I had the energy to continue on my own stuff. It's so true. Just, you know, Pinterest, I'm thinking about the, the folders, the, the boards that I've got that say, you know, um, painting ideas for later. And I've never gone back to them. And I've just, right. said, I had just seen one instead of looking at several different versions of that. <laughs> I've just acted on it then. Yeah. Wouldn't just still be sat there now, would it? So I've learned that. Well, there's always today. Yeah. You know, it, it, I, whatever we've done in the past is gone. Yeah. And now there's an, you know, the realization is today and today's the day to do it. And you, your habitual way of doing it is definitely going to want to keep you doing what you've been doing yeah. and recognizing that and stopping and putting paint to paper is in the moment is the way around that. Well, that's a good takeaway for me today. <laughs> um, I was going to next ask you about the daily creating group that you've got on Facebook. Um, can you tell us how this came about and what you get from having that? Well, it came about because I was doing the 100 day project on Instagram. I was, I think, my second or third time around. And I decided to continue with that on a daily basis just throughout however long I was going to do it and thought it would be really fun to have some people join me in that. So I introduced the group that I made up uh, to Instagram. I don't know if it was four or five years ago now, four years. And it's been a wonderful place to share daily with people in like-mindedness uh, who are sharing as well. Mm. Some beautiful conversations on there. You know, some people don't like Facebook, so they can always share their work with the hashtag daily creating group or yeah, daily creating or daily creating group on Instagram. So yeah, it's, it's been a fa fantastic community and it continues to, to grow. And, you know, there's a lot of inspiration in there and encouragement to everyone who chooses to connect and share what they're doing. Yeah. It feels like a wonderful space to do that and to have a conversation. I mean, if anything, the past two years with the pandemic, more and more of us are working from home anyway. And you do feel isolated in a way, don't you? Yeah. So having a platform like that to, to feel safe and encouraged um, is wonderful. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of Facebook by any means. I don't spend any time on my, uh, rate, my, my personal account. I do have a Facebook page, but 90% of my time on Facebook is spent in the daily creating group. And, uh, you know, if there was a different platform, I might consider it, but that's been the best one so far that I've found to have a group like that. Yeah. I hope people check that out. <laughs> um, I'd love to have you. <laughs> how, how do you take time out? What do you do to relax? <laughs> I do a lot of kitty petting. Oh. You know, the kitties are really kind of a focus in my life, I must admit. I, I enjoy walking. And I also have a trike that I ride with my partner, Larry. Uh, we ride trikes now because my bones don't like an upright bike anymore. But uh, yeah, so we get out and about when the weather's good, walking and riding. And uh, most of the other time I'm hanging out with the cats. Yeah. Just love these kitties to death. They're just my, my joy in life. Yeah. 
oh that's lovely it's lovely to hear and I've been I was honored to meet them as well at the start so <laughs> <laughs> they were happy to meet you as well very well behaved aren't they? I'm very impressed <laughs> Um, that was nice to be well behaved today yes yes because <laughs> you just never know <laughs> animals working with animals there <laughs> um, and then I'm going to put you on the spot now because I'm going to ask you going back to your book can you describe it to our listeners and who it's for who's it aimed at well it's for anyone who well anyone Really, if you want to explore your creativity, uh, particularly watercolor, uh, there's other things besides watercolor in there. But I, I highly recommend it to anyone who, like me, has had a little wrestle with their inner critic or perfectionism in their life and wants to approach creativity in a new way. Or anyone who has never thought they were creative. I think it's a doorway to be able to explore and play with the process and not spend so much time hanging out in that voice that says you're not creative or noticing for it for what it is and moving forward anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I would say it's pretty much for anyone, even a seasoned illustrator or watercolorist. Uh, it has a lot in there for you as well, just around the philosophy of creativity and you know what I've been talking about all during this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, definitely. Like you say, people that are new to it, but then also seasoned creatives designers because everybody can afford to take a break refresh revisit and yeah and um, definitely yeah yeah and if you know you're a designer and you don't paint it's it's a really great way to play with that edge of your comfort zone yeah um and learn from someone who or hear about someone who has been through a lot of this pretty much all this is the same things as they have and the resistance to creating in this type of form. So yeah, I I can relate to the artist blocks and everything that has happened and that happens with us. And so I'm, I'm speaking from that perspective of the ways that have really helped me to move forward despite that. Yeah. And it, you know, that shows in the flow of the book, like I said before, you're working through the book and you know the sections about dealing with self-doubt and things come just as you start just as they're starting to creep in so the pace is perfect for that thank you and my final question that I like to ask everybody um what's the most important advice you have for our listeners and it can be anything (laughs) I would say the most important thing is to show up for that conversation with creativity even if it's just five minutes a day and it's with a pencil or a pen on a piece of paper or whatever way you like or have an interest in creating, because that's where creativity is found is in the movement forward with it. It's you know fun to think about it. It's fun to research, but the actual movement of your hand on the paper, whether it's that or a camera or whatever ways you love to create, is the important part towards staying connected yeah. with that creative force, that creativity itself. That's great. Well, it has been wonderfully inspiring to speak to you today. And I could speak to you all day long, but I'm not going to because you're a busy lady. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want well, to thank you. this time. <laughs> it's been lovely to talk to you as well. Thank you so much. And I'm sure our listeners have got so much out of this because I have. And I feel so calm after speaking to you as well. So. 
Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Me too. It's been yeah. great. Oh, good. And we're going to, we'll share the link to your book as well. But just before we finish, do you want to share um, where our listeners can connect with you? Well, um, you can go to my website, uh, terryrunyon.com, and I have links to everything there. That would be the one place. I also have a YouTube channel and I teach classes on Skillshare. I just launched my newest class called Embracing the Wonky. Uh, yeah, it's all about finding or knowing your own unique voice through watercolor and drawing and the wonkiness that comes forth. Great. So that, that was fun. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, Terry. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So that's all for today. You have been listening to the Make It In Design podcast. We'll be back soon with more inspiring stories from working designers and other lovely creative people. And don't forget our brand new course, the Master Series, starts on May the 9th. Places are strictly limited, so come and secure your spot at makeitindesign.com and get ready to give your design business a huge boost this year. You can also find us on Instagram at makeitindesign and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the Make It In Design podcast. See you again soon.